you're listening to the very first episode of the Insider's Guide to E-Commerce with me, Tim Pritchard, Phil Rothwell and Mark Ballett. And today we're going to be discussing competitive positioning. But before that, before we get into that, uh, Phil, I will let you introduce yourself and tell us why this is the Insider's Guide to E-Commerce. Well, my name is Phil Rothwell. Um, we got that bit right. And it's a good start. Uh, I'm the managing director of a company called Celadec, and I've been working in the world of e-commerce since 1997. And so, you know, I was heavily involved in the original dot-com boom, and uh, we floated on floated on the London Stock Exchange and all those kinds of things. And so, over the years, over the last 20 years or so, we've we've learned quite a lot about e-commerce and had to relearn quite a lot about e-commerce because it's it's quite a dynamic and changing mm. environment. Uh, and a few years ago, one of the founders of uh, the company I work for uh, asked me to publish his book, and it was mm-hmm. essentially a book of top tips, which we call the Insider's Guide to E-Commerce. And at the time, I liked the title because it because you know we are insiders in the e-commerce world, and yeah. so our insights uh, uh, possibly might seem quite technical and nerdy to retailers, but. We've have got a lot of experience of dealing with companies of all sizes who worked on it, and so I thought it would be fun to start off as a podcast and develop, use these ideas and develop some of the ideas and perhaps use them in a book later on in the year. Absolutely. Podcasts always good. Uh, and of course, Mark Ballett. Mark, your history? Hey, I spend my time uh, normally in sort of non-executive roles, helping people develop their businesses. My, my, my history, I ran all sorts of businesses for a while. And then uh, 20 years ago, I suppose, I started becoming an advisor, mainly because I've got quite an interest in why some businesses are just rubbish and chaotic and others are successful. And that has kind of driven me forward over that period. And I'm very interested in why one business in the same market can be so much more successful than another. There's a lot of experience between you. Uh, I've been working in e-commerce for coming up to five years. Uh, it really excites me. I think I probably spend more on e-commerce than I make from it, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, my best thing is to sort of go through sites with a fine-tooth comb, find what's wrong with them and report on how they can be improved. And then looking at the analytics and the data of when you see those sites improving and making more money is, is exciting. I know so I think you're a, you're a growth hacker. Yes, that's the term that we've come up with. You like the term growth hacker, don't you? I don't like any of this newfound jargony stuff very much, to be honest. <laughs> Because it's the first episode, I kind of wanted to just talk about the giants of e-commerce, mm. which everyone knows, which is Amazon. Um, Amazon.com, 304 million active user accounts, which mm. is pretty impressive, I think. Um, so what year did Amazon form, Phil? 96. I had this in a pub quiz the other day, and I was one year out. 96? 94. Oh. I said 93, and I lost 80 quid on that, which is a shame. So Amazon started off specifically just selling books, uh, which not many people remember. Uh, And then they've moved on to a lot of different things, and they now own things like IMDb, and of course the Kindle and the Fire Stick and Audible and things like that. Amazon Web Services. A lot of Amazon Web Services, but there's three key things that Amazon have added to their sort of, you know, they've grown into this complete e-commerce monster there's three things recently that I wanted to discuss that I don't know if you guys are aware about at all. Um, and then we can talk about how they've moved on and they keep differentiating themselves. So first one, have you heard about the Amazon Dash buttons? No, no. I haven't. Never heard of them? Never heard of them. No. Good start. Okay. 
When this was first launched, it was just before April Fool's Day last year in 2016. Uh, and I thought it was a joke at first. The Amazon Dash button is a tiny little button about two inches wide. Uh, and it sticks onto your microwave or your oven or your washing machine. And you push it to order one particular product. Oh, I see. Yeah. So it sticks to your washing machine. I think I've heard of something like that. When, when you run out of fabric softener. So does that mean? So does that mean it's one button per item? One button per item per brand. So if you wanted to fill a, a shopping box, you'd have to have thirty <clears throat> buttons on your fridge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so when it launched in the UK, they had forty different brands, uh, and in the states they've got about one hundred and fifty. Each button is four ninety nine, and you get your money back from your first order. So it's redeemable. Apparently, you can't press the button a hundred times and order a hundred things either. So it's not—it's a way for people to, uh, you know, replenish their goods. What, what are your thoughts on that? Hey, well, I—I I kind of see Amazon sort of making this up, but I sort of see them as you know they're an early—they're early entrant. They're doing all sorts of things now, but I see them as specialists in the sort of um, sales order delivery process online. That's what they specialize on. They're dead good at that, so they mm-hmm. do everything right. So you go to them because it's easy, you know. Yep. Amazon push the so it's completely coherent. I think with what they're doing, making it easy to order stuff, and they're going to deliver it by helicopter or whatever it is you're going to do. And so that is that is perfectly coherent. So when you're competing with Amazon, you're competing with somebody who's dead good at that. And actually, that's relevant because a lot of smaller online businesses, where they get most of their complaints from, is bloody delivery or something, isn't it? Yeah. Because people are finding it hard to deliver. You know, because you're reliant on some sort of third party, you're not in control of it, as they are to some extent. But they have more muscle and power and in the contracts they have. So, I, so how I how, what do you see? What do you, do you see? Do you agree with that? Or? I, I'm, I don't know. I, I just, think, I'm, I still think about this idea of a button and whether I think this is a better idea than Alexa because we we got an Alexa for Christmas. Excellent. And and it's fantastic. You know, I can. I've actually got, there's someone in my house who listens to me at last <laughs> and does what I say <laughs> within a few minutes of, uh, uh, within a few seconds of me saying it. And I'm thinking, well, what's the utility? I think the utility of my Alexa eclipses what you've just described. So I think yeah. the buttons are quite a cool idea. But I think I'd rather just say to Alexa, please, can you add some milk to my shopping list? Yeah. Can you, Alexa, please, can you add some butter to my shopping list? And it, it kind of does those things. And then at some point I say, can you place my order with somewhere? Now, it doesn't do that at the moment, but yeah. having used that device and enjoyed it and seeing how, how well it works, you know, this is like a, it's, the, it's the equivalent of a, of a video recorder in the yeah. 90s rather than the 70s. It's not an Amazon product, is it, or is it? Yes. Let's see, isn't yeah. it? Yes. Well, it's, in this case, it's totally coherent, isn't it? With their, their if, if I'm right, and they're all about... Efficiency of order processing, effectively ordering and delivery, it's perfect, right? You don't even have to go to your computer anymore. You just you just speak it. This so it's perf- strategically, you could argue, it's perfectly on message for what they what they are as a business. I, I know there's lots of things. I think you wouldn't have to argue. You could say it. Yeah, it is. I will then. It's on brand. <laughs> did, did you see the news story about Alexa with the uh, the young girl with the doll's <sighs> yeah, house? It's brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, a young girl was playing with her dolls, and she said, "Alexa, you know, play with my dolls with me or whatever." And she accidentally ordered this new $400 doll's house <laughs> and lots of other accessories or something. And then the news came to report on this and the news lady said, isn't it funny that she said, Alexa, ordered me a doll house. This went out on the news and hundreds of households across California no. then all ordered doll's houses through their Alexas. 
Because the TV triggered it. Great story. Great story. <laughs> so hey no, so, so that, does it, it does that does fit in within this section, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, so it can back for and yeah. the, the reality is not many people with online stores can compete with that level of efficiency that I would argue. No, that, yeah, I mean, how so you if you want that? if you want commoditized yeah. things, go to Amazon, right? Except, and I will mention this because it does my head in. I hate the way they're always trying to trick you to sign up to Amazon Prime. I am not, although I, I've accidentally done it twice now. And it does my head in. I, 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 I hate it. I hate I hate that as sort of high pressure sales technique, um, which is totally unnecessary, really. Okay, it'll make, I mean, I saw a thing on the paper the other day of all the great heads of all these great um, uh, Silicon Valley companies, and they had how many billion dollars they were worth, and he was worth, Mr. Buzos was worth the most, $89 billion. He doesn't need any more money, does he? Just, just treat us with a bit more respect, I would say. He's currently worth $68.8 billion. Wow. You know? Wow. Last April, he made $6 billion in 20 minutes. Well, I'm not going to sign up for, for Amazon Prime. Well, I, I flirt with Amazon Prime. I, I look at it, and every time I look at it, I think, do I need this? And on Black Friday, I think it was going for a one-off price of £59. Oh, <laughs> I came so close to play. I almost went with it. And then what happens is a few weeks later, I think, oh, I should have gone with that price. I should have done it, and yeah. I regret it. Then the next year comes around, and I go through the same process again. And I kind of just fail to put the money up front. And I, I think... I just love their free free delivery because most of the time I don't really want next, same day delivery or next day delivery. So I think I'm happy to wait five days for something and I don't need it that badly and that's free. So why would I want to pay 79 quid for it for the year? Mm. I, I'm an Amazon Prime member and uh, I don't remember joining up. I don't know how it happened. I was just sat there one day and I went to order something on Amazon and it gave and me an option Prime. Yeah. And I was like, hang on, I haven't signed up for this. Oh, Somewhere really? along the line. So I think so I think there is a boundary. There is a boundary for me. Maybe I'm because I'm old and therefore I'm I'm kind of old fashioned and a bit of a Luddite. There is a boundary between ease of order sales order process and delivery mm-hmm. and um transparency somehow. Yeah. And there being a point where I know what the heck I'm doing. And you know, and we're getting to the stage in some cases where people. Don't, I I literally signed up for it twice, and I, yep. I cancelled it straight away. So I sort of saw that I'd signed up for it, but I didn't mean to at all. Well, it's, I think it's bad to have a pro. We have to give people a process where they can almost accidentally sign up to something they don't actually yep. want. Um, there are in other cultures there are different words for that kind of behaviour, aren't there? Um, Absolutely. Um, but I, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure how cynical it is on their part. Whether you know whether they're being you know, just oh, they're over-egging the promotional side of it rather than cynically trying to, you know, get people to sign up. I don't believe they're being cynical in any way. I just think it's it's almost like over-promoting it and giving people giving people so many chances to sign up, they do it accidentally anyway. I, I have a, I, I feel quite strongly that consumer marketing has a nasty nasty side to it, you know. And this is, this is kind of one flavour of it for me. You go to a supermarket, it says just £3.60 for your turkey or your t- chicken or something. You get it and you, you find out it's £3.60 per kilogram in small letters, you know. So I think it can go wrong and it is deliberately misleading in times. And I think Prime's, Prime, the way Prime is marketed is deliberately misleading. And it doesn't necess- doesn't need to be that. So I, but there again, maybe, maybe I'm just uh, not quite in touch with the modern realities. You know, I don't do contactless. You know, I like to get a bit of paper. See, this this is interesting. I, with Prime, I mean, you do get no quibble, best price guarantee. So if I've bought something on Prime and I find it for cheaper two weeks later, I can say to Amazon, "Hang on, you've you know." You've How many people do that? It. And they will just say, "Here's your money back," or "Here's the difference." Never knowingly undersold. 
So the second Amazon thing I wanted to raise was Amazon Go. Have you heard of Amazon Go? No. No. Amazon Go is Amazon's new checkoutless supermarket. So if we're talking about differentiating and moving on, Amazon have come offline and they are now opening supermarkets. Uh, their first one is opened just to staff. It's a beta store in Seattle, open late. Oh, I have heard about that, yeah, yeah. And they're scheduled to launch uh, in the UK. Is this where you order US. online and pick up in the store or something like that? No, you, so what happens is you uh, you scan through a um, barrier on your way in using yeah. your phone. Yeah. You pick up whatever you want in the store. It's and then all you radio walk out. technology or something. And when you walk out, it sends a receipt to your phone for the goods in your basket. Yeah. So it feels like shoplifting. But, but again... Utterly and totally on message, if I'm right about their strategic positioning, it is about ease of transactions, transaction ease. Really. Yeah. The whole and thing is about simplification and making... Make well, I mean, why do, you know, why do I use Amazon all the time? And it's, it's that level of trust I have that the goods are going to arrive within a specific time frame. And if they're not uh, to the quality I'm expecting them, I can send them back. And the sending them back is... Is almost easier than ordering them because you know because because the, the process is easier online. You 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 know you 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 raise the you 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 say what you want to do. It asks you why you want to send them back, and then you print out the label, and I can take it to our local news agent and drop the package off there, and that's it. it. Returns and yeah. and so I, they've just got it down to such to almost a perfection the whole process they have of, so they have so for instance and one of the things I started buying where they started was books wasn't it right I read a lot of books but actually I now make a point of going to my local bookstore and buying most of my books that's because I live in a village mm-hmm. and unusually it has a bookstore and whilst Amazon are dead good at, the, at this sleek delivery process um, it's quite nice to browse in a bookstore oh, I agree. and they're disappearing yeah. So I'm kind of taking like an opposite view and saying, well, I want to support local bookstore. I'm going to buy them there. And he just orders them off. You know, if he wants them, he orders them from Amazon or someone similar anyway. Yeah, but in a sense, it does, it does provide, I think it, having too, too efficient, having too many clicks and not enough bricks changes the nature of the world we live in. And I'm not sure I approve or support that. See, I think a lot of people are now coming back offline. It's sort of the, almost like a hipster thing to... Hey, have you heard of real shops, guys? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we don't have to buy online. And I think a few people are doing that. So for Amazon to suddenly be opening supermarkets, yeah. selling well, fresh you know, food. They're not going to miss out on that market either, are they? What's next for yeah. Amazon offline? So for a smaller business, is it worth having bricks and mortar as well if, if you're purely an online well, presence? Well, I, I think that uh, when I go around and look at our customers, a lot of them have... Uh, units mm-hmm. and they might be on a trading estate some of them have shops some of them uh, literally have might have a warehouse mm-hmm. but often if you've got a unit then it's not that difficult to have a trade counter no um, and then the trade counter can turn into a little showroom and because obviously your local trade like you know sometimes likes to come in and pick stuff up rather than pay for shipping yeah so um, you know I'm thinking actually of you know down at UK pool stores they've got sort of kind of like a trade counter in their yep. in their unit and local people use that quite a lot but then it's quite 
it's quite expensive sending chemicals through the post. Well, they can't send it through the post. It has to be delivered, and they sell pool chemicals. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are some good reasons why you might go and drive a few miles and pick it up rather than do that. The other thing is, as you were saying earlier, is you can browse stock and you can get advice and help, can't you? Um, and there are some product sets where that's that's great fun. You know, I, I enjoy wandering around um, the bookshop in Cobham, and. You know, you, you see stuff you'd never see on Amazon. Because I think it, on the downside, one of the downsides of artificial intelligence and these algorithms they use for promoting stuff to you is it tends, like like, like Twitter, it tends to reflect back to you the, the stuff you like. So yeah. how can you... how So you end up living in your own sort of echo chamber where everything you love and subscribe to and like is constantly being echoed back to you. And... And you see this as well in remarketing. So, you know, you make the mistake of clicking off and going and look at a particular offer from something like the Daily Mail website. The next thing you know, you're kind of inundated with the same company promoting the same products to you yep. uh, in different places. And so your options and choices my, are being narrowed all the time. My answer to your question, should they get a shop or they haven't got a shop? No. We've got a shop, great. You may It may be the dual policy is, is good for you. It may not. It depends to, on your, your sector. But what you should do if you want to compete with Amazon, forget shops, get a brand, right? So fundamentally, if you want to compete with Amazon, you're not going to, you're probably not going to be able to compete very effectively with the slickness of their end-to-end um, sales process. Mm-hmm. Um, you can come close. We could help you come close, but you're not going to compete. We're not going to compete in the same way or be as innovative, etc. So you've got to give people a reason to go somewhere else, right? And that. A brand is an easy way of summing it up. You've got to be different enough for people to want to come to you yeah, but, and buy it from Yeah, but you. for a lot of small businesses, brands that... Sorry, I mean, to answer your question, my, say, my answer was kind of, if you've got a local you know, unit, then why not have a trade counter? Yeah. The idea of buying a shop on the high street, oh, that's a different you know, it's completely different beast. Uh, and I, I, agree, I, agree, I agree with Mark in the sense that, you know, you, it's about investment decisions, isn't it? You, you want to look at your business and and choose you've got money in the bank well hopefully you've got money in the bank mm-hmm. uh, you might have a large amount of money a small pot of money but you, every penny you spend you see as an investment which you want to get a return on and and so the question really is do you want to spend money on a shop or as Mark says do you want to spend money on brand positioning and brand marketing and the challenge for a lot of small companies is that the brand kind of comes by default because they, they kind of set up and they're good at some stuff I mean I I started my first business when I was like 27 and, uh, you know, we were, we were just a couple of nerds who knew a lot about AutoCAD and wrote <laughs> list, list pro, auto list programs. And, you know, two years later, we were called the two fills Brilliant. and everybody who had a problem they didn't quite know how to solve came to us. And so we kind of had a brand. We were called the two fills generally. People, so people would go to me and say, you know, where's the other Phil? Because we were both called Phil, obviously. And, uh, <laughs> and people referred to us as two films, which was very annoying. No one knew what our company was called. But the brand comes by default. You know, no one, very few people feel they've got the ability or knowledge or know how to go out and create a brand other than putting a label on, on, on how they identify themselves, which isn't really brand marketing. It's kind of like, this is what I am. Now I'm... Turning it into a brand. Well, I, I, I find that exactly that, and that's kind of what, what I do and what we do to a large extent. People have success because they have, they are differentiated in some way, just not completely sure why, and they certainly haven't packaged it. right? And so there's a huge evolutionary step you can take from, from 
taking advantage of that, being clear about why they're coming to the two fields or why they're coming to you, and then saying, oh, that's, you know, when you've got that clarity, then you can actually start telling people and, and, and developing your brand and your messages a bit to communicate that. And that's quite, I think that's often a big leap forward in, in people's marketing, just recognizing that they're not just coming to you randomly, they're coming to you for a reason. Mm. Just that reason hasn't been articulated enough or you haven't really clearly thought it out. And as soon as you get that clear in your head, you can start adding to it. You know, somebody said to me once, I kind of believe that, you know, your main aim running a business is to work out what the heck it is that makes you different and build it and protect it and develop it because that's what's going to sustain your your margin and even your business in the longer term. So, If I can give you a quote from Jeff Bezos, who says, a brand for a company is like a reputation for a person. You earn reputation by trying to do hard things well. And I guess Amazon are working on that hard thing of how to get, goods to people as quickly as possible for as little money yeah. uh, and so and so for instance you know i buy a lot of things from amazon but i can I, books I get, uh, well apart from books <laughs> but I'm, <laughs> of an, I'm of an age now and i quite like walking and stuff like that i'm becoming a bit of a rohan man mm-hmm. right you can't buy rohan on amazon as far as i understand it so i go to rohan you know and they work very hard at making performance clothing that works well you know in, in the elements and you can dry quickly and all that Brilliant, brilliant, man. So they have a real value proposition that's uh, quite hard to compete with, um, and um, which which captured me. Captured Why are they called Rohan? Is that something to do with Middle Earth? Isn't there the, aren't there the riders of Rohan in the Lord of the Rings or something? Well, Phil's just giving me a, <laughs> Phil's just giving me a book about branding and, and where these brands came from. There's definitely Ra- Rohan's in there. Actually, it really? It's we probably should... Ronald and. Yeah, but Tim, you, look, I'm sitting here, Tim. I, I think young people think very differently. To I think people right. like me about it. So look, you can't if you're listening to this, and uh, and uh, well, if you're the one person listening to this, <laughs> then what you won't know is that Tim's sitting there, sitting here with some funky T-shirt on. But what's he got written on? It says mouse rats. It says mouse. And I bet you designed that yourself or something. No, actually, funnily enough, mouse rat are a fictional band from the show Parks and Recreation, which I watch on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. That's very. That is a funny program, isn't it? Yeah. When you can I just pick Amy up one? Can I, can I pick yes. up one thing? I, I, <laughs> I, 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 it's, uh, it's sort of slightly off message a bit, but you said you know maybe the younger generation or something see it differently or something. There was a fascinating program I heard recently on on Radio Four of all places. Have you heard of a company called um, Social Chain? No. No. Brilliant, brilliant program. These are a group of guys in Manchester, and uh, this guy wanted to be sort of dropped out of university. Thought I want a business, you know, could get a business somehow, and. Uh, he had a few people following his blog. Mm-hmm. Then he met this other guy who had people following his blog. So he said, oh, you can't work with me. Now they have an office full of people in Manchester who have very big blogs, big, big lists of blogs. And if you want to get a message out to younger generation, let's call it, to a certain age group, they have a population bigger than the population of America to communicate to. Wow. So all the big companies do it. So, And what the point I want to make is that... Sponsored blogs. Yeah, but it's yeah. massive, right? And so... But what I heard some, some people who, who followed all these blogs were saying is they actually thought they were quite a naive generation. They actually thought they just followed things and they didn't occur to them that all the things they're seeing on, you know, medieval art, web, blog, or whatever it is, was all paid for advertising. It never occurred to them. So, you know, so I think, and there's going to be a bit, in a, in a similar way, as I, I would class Amazon as being a bit cynical, I think it's very early days for some of this sort of um, subliminal advertising that's going on. When, when it becomes clearer to people what's going on, there'll be a bit of a backlash to that too. So I think I think there's, I think think there's the, the whole way that people do market online in that way 
is going to change. Yeah, but I suppose my my point I was I suppose in the way trying to make was that is that young people actually seem to be very tuned into the concept of having a unique identification. Mm. You know, they can update their their um. What's the what's the photo you have on your Facebook page? Your uh, avatar. Your avatar. Mm. Um, um, your and profile picture. Your profile picture. That's the yeah. word. I was, that's the term. Shows you how old I am. <laughs> your photo. <laughs> your pro and a profile picture. That you know the picture is your profile. People, yeah. you know, spend hours trying yeah. to get it right. And there, are, you know, people write blog articles about how to do the perfect. I've just changed profile mine today. Photo. I well, just changed mine. Oh, yesterday I changed mine. My, you know, mine's, you know, what I, I look at mine, I think, what does it say about me? And there's nothing terribly positive, you know, middle-aged geezer from Cobham. Mine's a uh, picture of me Should age... work out more. <laughs> mine is now a picture of me age seven. Really? And that was a few years ago, I have to say. <laughs> See, I, but, I did that. I used a picture of my grandpa yeah, in Africa yeah. when he was a young man. Yeah. We look quite similar, but... It was more just fun. Right, well, now we're, li- now we're living in the truth age. Your your profile picture of the, is the person you wanted to be in another era. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's almost like you you're you redefined yourself as someone else. That's crazy, isn't it? What you it think is. about? You it know. Is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna skip back. I'm sure to it something. looks cool though. <laughs> I'll skip back to saying Phil, you said about echo chamber uh, because I think that relates to sort of uh, smaller businesses wanting to sell more to repeat customers and you know find the repeat customers within the data now going back to the amazon prime products the amazon dash for example you're only ever going to be repeat ordering one particular product also when you go into the amazon checkout the supermarkets they have your photo your stats uh, facial recognition everything you've been buying all of that is data and that's what amazon really are is it's kind of a data company. They're building up profiles of all of their users to then remarket, find out what your shopping order is, and almost probably have it ready for you down the line. Any thoughts on that for how that can compare to data mining for sort of smaller companies? Well, I think that I mean I have this view of the world of e-commerce, which is the kind of like four main activities you get involved with. Mm-hmm. One is is you know doing what Mark does. Which is the brand marketing side, you know, creating a unique identity identity for your for your organisation, your kind of organisational profile. Then there's this other thing you do, which is growth hacking, where you're looking at data, mm-hmm. and really growth hacking is about looking at the traffic flows and things which are happening to you, inbound behaviours, clicks, things like that, and you by analysing that you can find little pockets of business which might be going begging it's a bit like it's a bit but it's working with traffic that's there a bit like in the same way the the team gb cycling you know they've got this guy who's very fast on the bike mm-hmm. uh, they take they strip the paint off and polish it and they, he goes one second faster over a mile it's yeah. kind of a marginal gain kind of thing and it's Incredible. a bit like that then you've got platform development which is the whole software stack of how you deliver all these things and then you've got this other activity which is engagement reaching out to people who don't know about you Mm -hmm. and my perception of the bubble and the challenges i think the bubble creates for people is they can't see outside their own set of interests because they're constantly being bombarded with things people think they're interested in based on what they used to be interested in Mm -hmm. and which of course prohibits change and and of course, small businesses can cap can actually 
leverage that just simply by using free tools like Google Analytics, where there's a great Google Analytics tool, tool uh, sorry, uh, training program on the Google website. And, you know, if, if everybody we dealt with as a customer over the last 20 years watched that series of videos, I'm sure they could, they'd learn a lot of useful ways of finding new new business in their system. And, Absolutely. And you don't, even though you need a huge amount of data to do things like face record, facial recognition, identifying someone by the way they walk or talk or their their retinal scans and all this sort of stuff, and using this sort of machine learning and I suppose artificial intelligence as yep. it's called today, smaller companies can use smaller amounts of data to say, well, you know what, these customers, if they buy this, a few weeks later, they tend to buy that. Mm-hmm. So why don't we just tweak our marketing so that in two weeks' time, I'm going to send these customers a follow-up email that talks about this range of products, which I know typically those sorts of groups are interested in. And, and so the answer is yes, you can. Mm-hmm. But you have to have a skill set. And, uh, and the difficulty, of course, is if you're a retailer, your skill set is making your store look beautiful, getting people to come in, walk around, retaining them in the store talking to them at checkout, having some goods there, doing a special offer. Yeah. It's not necessary sitting down and looking at the contents of a spreadsheet or what's on Google Analytics or any other tool you're using. I think a, a big part of e-commerce is data analysis and mm. actioning that data analysis as well. Well, when you say that, I it's my opinion that a big bit of any successful business is using the information you've got, right? Absolutely. And, and forget about the internet or anything, people don't use it. People do not use information or data. They get lots of data floating around in the business. They don't use it enough to understand what the heck's going on in the business, let alone with their customers. So, And I would say the best businesses, and Amazon's example of a very good business, I think, it's kind of a hygiene factor. You know, There are certain things you've got to do your HR right, you've got to get your health, your health and safety right, you've got to get data analysis right, and understand. Those are just things. Now, some of those things are differentiating for some companies, and they're not for others, but... Any business, any business needs to make sure it's, it's kind of doing something sensible with the information it's got so it can make better decisions because you only make, you only improve your but, business but by who, making good decisions. Who does that? And, uh, you know, you work with a lot of normal companies, non-geeky companies like us. Well, we, we not, we, what, what we do often with customers is we do this for them. I, I, I do on my own and we do together. I know yeah, but when you're dealing with companies who aren't IT, what do they, how do they use those? Well, they normally those don't. They do it. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I sit down and say, well, you know, tell me this, tell me that, and they don't know. So I often go away or get them to dig around or someone that they have to finance direct or somebody to dig around and all of a sudden you start seeing more information. And when we've worked with, I mean, the revelation of working with some of the sites we've worked with recently has been getting the sales analysis tool out there and just looking at their traffic yeah. and then looking at it and matching that up with the, their products and their, and their revenue. And all of a sudden you can see how their market segmented, where they're making money. And we have... All of us here have been involved in helping people change their business based on that. They had it all along. They just didn't use it. So it's a, it's a hugely important. So Amazon has just said... Is the it, people don't use it because they haven't... Is it because they don't have the skills or they don't see it? I think yeah. they, don't, they don't have the skills probably because, as you say, they're doing other things. They're retailers, you know, and, and they don't... And, and in smaller businesses, maybe, you know, they've never come across this before. And uh, they don't understand, I think, the, the power of it. They don't understand... A lot of people running businesses don't understand the power of numbers to help them understand their business, financial and other numbers. And you need to start thinking numbers. And if you can't do it yourself, you need to get help.
Okay, so the third area of Amazon, just to sort of uh, bring us to an end, uh, I'm currently waiting for a delivery at the office, which I ordered at about 10pm last night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that's fantastic, the fact you can order something late and then get it delivered the next day. Okay, my, my, my daughter lives in central London. She was cooking Sunday lunch. Halfway through the Sunday lunch, she realised she didn't have a pan. She ordered it and it was delivered in an hour by Amazon. It's amazing. In, in central London. So she then put the stuff, the peas in the pan and put it on the... I've, I've, I've waited on the phone for longer, longer than that for, for well, my energy well, company to, to, oh, else they, do, they have very rapid I've, I've seen crazy. those uh, I've seen the scooter guys <laughs> whizzing around central London and that's yeah. crazy they risk their lives doing that but uh, December 7th 2016 saw the first ever live Amazon Prime Air delivery which was 13 minutes from click to delivery. Prime Air. Which was, uh, he ordered, uh, Richard B from Cambridgeshire ordered uh, a fire stick and some popcorn, and it was delivered to him via drone in 13 minutes. So that was a fully autonomous flight, no human control. They're in beta stage with that with two live customers. Um, however... <laughs> two. So 13 minutes is pretty cool, but you do need to have a huge garden for the drone to land in. Uh, you need to live close to the Amazon warehouse and you need to order an item less than 2.6 kilograms. For me, that's just great PR, right? It's great PR. They're it saying, is. We're, the, we're the front end, we're all about delivery efficiency and all that. Whatever changes, we're going to be there, guys. Whether we ever have drones deliver stuff, doesn't matter. Great PR. I think well, they will. I mean, but don't you think we're going to have to hold a new number of excuses for when the goods don't arrive? I'm sorry, but your goods are currently inside the engine of a jumbo jet. <laughs> well, what happens when people start sort of using air pistols or whatever to shoot drones? Or you know, that, I mean, <laughs> this is the thing. The, the drones are built with bird avoidance technology. I don't know if that's the official name for it, by the way. But they can recognise a pigeon flying towards them and move out the way. They're pretty clever. Google, uh, or Google's parent company, Alphabet, are also working on Project Wing, uh, which is targeting deliveries to customers in more rural areas. So if you live well, out I, in the country... I, heard, I read something cra even cra well, crazier than this. I mean, I don't, sorry, I know this isn't crazy, really, but it is sort of slightly... <laughs> it it's, is it's a great it PR. is crazy. Yeah. 13 minutes to click to delivery. <laughs> but this one was that Amazon were thinking of having, using hot air balloons, not, well, not hot air balloons, balloons, like helium balloons. Uh, well, they're blimps, aren't they? And using them as aerial warehouses, so <laughs> so, so this nobody this needs idea. that many aerials. Well, no, this idea is you're in a you're in a you're having a big major event. You need a lot of stock there, you know. So you're a Liverpool fan, aren't you? So you've yeah. got a hundred thousand Liverpool scarves. <laughs> they just drop them on you. <laughs> well, no, and, and it's they're all sitting in this blimp above the stadium and you know obviously drones are bringing them down and delivering items as you go it's so you could it's <laughs> so sci-fi isn't it it's <laughs> well it reminded me of sort of um captain scarlet because they used to have the uh their base was in the air yeah but you know when you think about it it's a lot easier to store things up there and a lot more direct to deliver it because you don't have to go through roads and stuff like that you don't have to have planning permission i mean you probably have to avoid being in the major Air corridors, I guess. With Amazon doing things like the dash button and the supermarkets and delivering in 13 minutes via drones, etc. And blimps above Anfield. The average, you know, small store can't afford to do those things or will never be able to do those things. So how do they compete with that? You don't need to. You don't compete. Let them play around with it. Good it's a bit of a game. It's a bit of a game. It's part of their positioning. You don't need to compete with them. I don't care when I get my Rohan shirt. 
<laughs> I just want my real hand shirt. It could come in three weeks for me. So what's important to you is the right product from the right brand. Effectively, I want the yeah. I want I want to buy um, the benefit. So I want certain benefits from suppliers, right? That could be the right little brand on my shirt. It could be because it's technically right. It could be lots and lots of different yeah. things. Unconnected with the speed of delivery, let Amazon play in their speed of delivery segment, and 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 but so just you have to realize it's hard to compete with, and create your own reason, build your own reason, even recognize your own reason why people buy from you and make more of it. Yeah. And uh, don't worry about delivery. Although I think in general with e-commerce, that's the biggest problem in a way is relying on third parties for delivery because often it's the third party that goes wrong and then you, you know, then it's you and your brand which is lumbered with that problem. Yeah. So, um, which is a bit of a problem, but I, I wouldn't try and compete. No, and, and I think, and if when you do compete, I mean, everybody's, any, anybody who's been successful for a period of time, there's something about them which has, has made them stand out. And, and I think all the projects we've been involved, a lot of them have been really about identifying what that is and then really helping people to focus on it and recognise it. Sorry, recognise it and then focus on it yeah. and develop it. Uh, and so this thing which you may be unaware of, but actually marks you out as being a little bit different and special in your customer's mind, is meaningfully, makes you meaningfully different, mm-hmm. um, is, is already exi- it already exists. Mm-hmm. But you've got to avoid stuff that's easy to replicate. Because Jeff, Jeff Bezos, in a way, is right. Because he said, you know, it's got to be, there's got to be some difficulty in it. Otherwise, the value is is lower um, but you know things like we give great customer service you know everybody says that you need to if you're going to say that you've got to have evidence you've got to have other people saying it on your behalf well, it's amazing I because I, I, it's kind of the job I've done for the last 20 years and my opening gambit when I meet people most people is why do people buy from you and most of the times they say we've got great customer service and I just say no think again that's not good enough it's not it doesn't good. mean anything. No. You know, that's not a good enough reason why people buy from you. So there may be another one. You know, you've got a successful business here. There definitely is another one, but you have to work out what that is. Yeah. And it's absolutely stunning. It amazes me how disconnected people are from understanding the benefits, the real benefits that they're selling um, uh, from their products. They just don't always understand what they are and why customers buy. So the key take-home points really are don't worry about what, Amazon and Google and whatnot are up to. Uh, find out what makes you meaningfully different as a business. And anything to add? Well, and package it and do more of it and protect it if it's still giving you a good margin. thing is, if you've got something meaningfully different in your business, which is giving you a good margin, someone's going to come and take it from you unless you protect it. So yep. you know, make sure you do that. And the kind of the overarching little word that kind of encapsulates that is develop a brand, really, for me. And make sure you use your data... Oh yeah, yeah, to do continually that continually improve. Well, do the stuff which you need. You know, we have a model called the Celadec, you know, um, standard model. Standard. That, the, the the model we can never forget. <laughs> standard model. <laughs> model but that kind of says that these days you've got to be competitive. To do that, you've got to get you've got to be different. But then you've got to get all these other things right. You know, from 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 marketing, uh, online marketing, through yeah. to getting your hosting right, to payments and customer feedback. You've got to get more right. You've got to be joined up, and so. We offer to do that for people in a kind of joined up, managed way, which is has a certain level of quality, which is going to support your business. Great stuff. All right, well, thanks, guys. Uh, I think we'll bring it to an end there. It's obviously episode one of the Insider's Guide to E-Commerce. We've mentioned so many things there, like hosting and delivery and branding. These are all elements that we're going to take a deep dive down into over the coming weeks. And if anyone wants us to discuss anything or send us a question, then podcast at sellerdeck.co.uk. 
uh, and we'll try and answer your questions. So thanks for listening. Cheers, Phil. Cheers, Mark. Hey, bye. Cheers. Bye.